What's up and welcome back to the Something's Brewing podcast. We are in partnership with Black and Gold Productions, LLC. You can follow them on Twitter at BNG Productions. My name is Mike Sullivan. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. My co-hosts are here as well. Nick Melanson. You can follow him at Nick Melanson underscore. And Zach Sullivan as well. You can follow him on Twitter at Zach underscore Sullivan 22. Nick's got me giggling like a little fucking idiot right now. He's like <laughs> looking at his screen and he's just dying laughing. But anyways, um, yeah, if you missed last week's episode, it just dropped last night. Um, it's Tuesday night right now. Go back and listen to that one. We talked about Bergeron. We talked about Krejci. Um, We finished our Bruins all-time draft, which I'm still working on the edit for Twitter. So I'm going to put that up, post that. You guys can all look at it. You can view it. You can give us all your opinions. Zach started off with kind of a weird team in the beginning, but he finished strong. Zach's team at the end really kind of came together, and he has a formidable team. We found those value picks. We know how to build the roster. Zach's all about to build Belichick a draft thing. We'll blow the first couple rounds, but deep in the late rounds, we'll we'll hit. (laughs) Nick has a good team. I have a decent team, but ultimately we're going to leave that vote up to you guys. Um, But yeah, so how was everybody's weekend? Nick, what did you do this weekend? Um, what did I? Oh, I went down the Cape. Nothing fun. I did go to an auction. Um, they, were selling off, they were selling off uh, old furniture and whatnot like that. Got a, got a new bedroom set that doesn't fit in my room. And mm. I went crabbing because it turns oh. out you can find you can find blue crabs on Cape Cod. I didn't know you could find them around here. Um, you catch anything? Yes, I caught one of them for the two hours I was out there. I caught a single <laughs> crab, went home, cooked it up. And it was ass. I'm not, <laughs> not going to lie to you. It was gross. It was gross. I felt bad. It was a waste, a waste, a waste of life. But, you know, just just nice chill weekend. I'll probably do the same thing this upcoming weekend. So got to, you know, spend these last couple weeks of summer doing something fun. Crab just tasted like low tide. <laughs> no, it's – well, have you ever had a blue crab before? No. I've actually never like, had shellfish. Are you kidding me? How old no. are you? 24? 24. <laughs> That's scary. You're a grown man too. That's wild. No, I went to uh, Washington DC once and Maryland is all about their crabs. So they get this huge pot of blue crabs and they smother it in like that old base seasoning. And then they just dump it on your table with like a little wooden hammer and a picks and you just kind of go to town. So I tried that, but we didn't have any uh, old bay. So it was literally just a steamed crab and it was (laughs) disgusting. I didn't finish it. It was gross, but you gotta you gotta play the hand you're dealt with sometimes. Hey, well, at least you caught one. It wasn't all That's true. Waste. Yeah, I will say there were some other people there crabbing. Didn't have the same luck I did. I don't know if it's luck or skill. I'm gonna say skill. I'll give you the benefit too. of the doubt. Yeah, I'll give you the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. Zach, what did you do this weekend? Nothing. Went golfing. Nah, went to Treehouse. Grabbed a few uh, few cases of beer out of there. Um, nothing too crazy this weekend, right? Was, let, me, let me double check that. <laughs> yeah, Wait, was, no, was this the uh, was this the golf tournament you were telling me about? Yeah, yeah. It um, 
it didn't go too great since I went to bed at about 5 a.m. and had to be up at 6 a.m. for it. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. So you just took a nap. And then yeah, you went and played a full round of golf. I don't even know if I took a nap. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so luckily managed to only lose by two and one. Lost in the 17th hole. But then I parred 18, which is like the hardest closing hole in New England. So they say at my country club. Uh, so. What what country club? Oak Hill out in Fitchburg. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, really kind of just if I didn't fuck up 17, I could have at least pushed the match into a, a playoff. So, and you know what? Fuck that guy. He got he got eight hours of sleep. Yeah, so, yeah. And he's still like, the Well, all right. Let's, uh, so the Bruins just posted an update. We all know the Bruins are in kind of cap handcuffs right now, salary cap handcuffs. And in the offseason, a team is allowed to be 10% over the cap. But when the season starts, they would have had to figure out how to fit their roster in the salary cap compliance. So right now, the Bruins are over the cap by almost $2 million. So the Bruins put out a statement earlier that they are open to moving Craig Smith. So ideally you wouldn't want to lose him, but looking at the guys who are making a good chunk of money and who would be available to move, like you're uh, realistically, you're not going to be able to move Felino. You're just not going to be able to move Felino with that contract. So the Bruins have said that they are open to moving Craig Smith and just thinking if you're going to move him, you're going to have to move him to move that cap. So you're probably not going to get somebody who's, you know, making, you know, upwards of two to three million dollars. So that kind of leaves you limited to who you're going to be able to get. So I'm thinking, in my honest opinion, that they try to move him for a couple of prospects, maybe not even a couple, maybe like a prospect and a late round pick. It's really just going to have to be a salary cap dump at that point because you have those Bergeron and Krejci contracts that push you over the cap. So who do you guys think if they move Craig Smith, what do you think that they could get in return? Not much. I mean... Isn't his deal expiring soon? So it's not like any team that's getting him's investing into him. It'd have to be a win now ready team. And they're not gonna they're not gonna give you a lot for a one season rental. You might be able to get uh, uh, a um, organization's top ten prospect. Yeah. Which I take at this point. We have the 32nd ranked farm system. So anything. <laughs> Literally do, the worst. Like, don't take a draft pick. We'll fuck that up. So yeah. go, go get me a prospect that's already in the league. Even if it's like a prospect who's. It doesn't have to be a stud prospect. Just give us give us something in return that has a chance of becoming even like a bottom six forward. But somebody who you know at least has a decent shot at turning into an NHL player yeah, with I mean, potential. If you're taking a top 10 prospect from some team, you're probably asked, you're getting realistically five through 10. And 
in the grand scheme of the league, that guy's probably not even cracking top 100 prospect. Right. Nick, what do you think? I mean, I agree with Zach. I mean, he's on an expiring contract. He's 32. I feel like they might be able to get more for him if they wait until the deadline. Because if you think about one of those teams that are maybe a piece or two away, they could go for a guy like Craig Smith. But I would still go defense first. I like prospects, but I think if you can get a defenseman, I don't really care who it is. But if you can get somebody in there and give them a chance, they still have other contracts you know, work out. I know we've talked about Mike Riley. I would like to see them get rid of his contracts. But I know they kind of have a, a log jam at defense right now. So they would it would be hard to kind of get, uh, especially for a guy like Craig Smith, to find a difference maker who you could throw in there and expect him to be your top four right away. But I feel like if they wait until the trade deadline to move a guy like him, they could get more. But then – I mean, if you're the Bruins, I feel like you would want that money to play with the whole season. I don't feel like you want to have to wait to free up $3 million until the cap deadline because if you trade him, you're already selling. And then what's the point of having more cap if he's gone at the end of the year anyways? If so I'm I don't know. Bruins, I, I was just saying, if I'm the Bruins, I look to unload some guy who's on our team now that might be young that we're hoping develops into something but it isn't going to be a key contributor this year. Then Craig Smith, because you get Craig Smith, your third line's pretty good. You got Coyle and Craig Smith on it. Um, we're all in this year. Like you got to be all in. Like you can't yeah. be thinking about next year, the year after that, with the way that those rosters built this year. So go get rid of. Uh, I like. I don't know. You tell me who's a fucking young guy that's like at the edge of this roster that's going to be capable of sending off two million for us, even if it's two guys. Like I, I'd rather do that than lose a guy who's could make our third line actually a really good third line. You could package somebody like Jack Stanika and like Nick mentioned, maybe Mike Riley or, or a, uh, even. I feel, I, like, I, I, I feel like the Bruins though could have trouble. I know you were talking about being all in this year, but you, I don't want to – I th- think you still have to be mindful of the future. And if you trade a guy like Jack Stutnika and you know that Bergeron and Krejci are gone at the end of this year, you're going to have nobody coming up to the ranks at center. Unless Lassell, who we're going to talk about later, becomes a center. But I, I feel like um, – I want the team to get better, but I feel like you still have to be conscious of, of your roster right now. Personally, uh, it it sucks and I hate when they do it, but I wouldn't I wouldn't mind if you have to unload some picks to move a contract like Nick Foligno or Mike Riley or whoever it might be because they don't have a good a good history of using those picks anyways. So and it sucks because that's what they always have to do. They sign contracts and they have to keep wasting picks to shed the salary. But I feel like these next few years are going to be really big in setting up the future of the Bruins. They're losing some core guys who have been here for ever they could finally have some money to play with if they start trading the right guys and and it's almost like wiping a new slate and you still have some young players you still have McAvoy you can still re-sign Pasta you still have Carla locked up so they have some building blocks but uh, the they can really set themselves up at the trade deadline this year but at the same time I want them to go all in because I feel like it's the last ride they have yeah. to go all in you can't you can't Hold on, it's Nico hoping that you have a center for next year. It's just, it doesn't fucking matter, dude. No matter who we have next year, we're going to suck. We're going to, we're not going to have, like, even, like, because you, you're trying to fill top two center talent with bottom two center guys. So it doesn't, doesn't even matter. Just get rid of them. Yeah. I wish, and uh, and Bernard would wait one more year to come out. I know. Huh? Can you imagine? <laughs> Maybe, uh, 
I don't know. I, I wouldn't ship off, like, Zach, because you were saying, like, you ship off maybe some young talent who's not really an impact player. I would honestly almost lean towards what Mel is saying. I wouldn't mind getting rid of maybe even, like, a, say, second-round pick, Nick Felino and Jack Sonica for... <sighs> I don't know, just something to help you this year. Because Jackson Nika doesn't really seem like he's panning out the way that the Bruins front office thought that he would. I mean, I think he's been in the organization for three years now. He's he's never gotten steady time with Boston. He's been stuck in Providence. He, he produces in Providence, but not at a crazy level. Um, he might be a guy that bought uh, the Bruins could move on from and they would be, they wouldn't be okay with it, but they would, they, they would rather lose him than other guys like Lysel or a or a Beecher or, you know, some, somebody of that caliber. But yeah, so the Bruins are going to have to move somebody to clear up some space before the, uh, before the season starts. Cause like I said, they are, over the cap right now and they need to figure that out before the season starts so somebody's getting moved somebody's moving it's not a it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when um because like they literally have to like it's not a choice they need to and they're in a bit of a tough spot right now i know we talked about this before but the status of the eastern conference is insane let alone their division so I want them to be all in because I want them to win. And I know, you know, we've seen eight seeds win the Stanley Cup before. It can happen. But also looking at the league right now, like the the Bruins need some significant players to be able to catch up to the talent like Tampa or uh, Toronto always blows it in the first round, but they have a good roster. I still think Florida is going to be really good this year. Is a player like that going to be available? I mean, we don't know the status of the Bruins come the trade deadline. I just think that, I want them to be all in, and I know that things can happen where a team like this could have some sort of run. But I know that it's not like there's like one Goliath team that they have to beat in the Eastern Conference Finals. I feel like no matter if they get in or not, they're going to be looking up at a lot of these good teams. So I think of like if you do make moves at the trade deadline, if you're buying or selling, if they're buying, I think that they would really have to buy a lot to put them there. And that could even more, you know put more strain on your future if you're again taking on huge contracts or moving picks or whatever it might be so i don't know i think it's going to be an interesting year it's going to be fun i mean it'll be you know like we've said the last dance bergeron Krejci, this whole core um i think if any team has the ability to surprise some people i think it might be this bruins team just because of the status of the team kind of what they have riding the number of stars that are in that locker room that I think all kind of realize the writing's on the wall. This is this might be our last chance to do this. They they blew it against St. Louis. They had an opportunity against Chicago almost 10 years ago, and this is their last chance. So I think because of that, you know, you might want to invest a little bit in this team, but we'll see how the season plays out. Yeah, and just by saying that, like saying how the Chicago series is – basically a decade ago it really puts things into perspective like how blessed we've been to be to have been able to watch Patrice Bergeron and and David Krejci and that whole core of guys and the fact that this season this upcoming season really might be the end of it is it's crazy it's actually crazy that 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 this really might be the end it'll be a it will be when when those guys leave it will be an entirely different culture of 
Boston Bruins hockey. Well, we've known for the past 15 years or so will be just that. It'll just be history. And it's it depends on like how are they going to finish. Yeah, it, it's almost felt like slowly ripping a Band-Aid off. Yeah, like it started with when with Char left. I know Char wasn't when Char left. He was like forty. He wasn't the same yeah, but, Char he'd always been. But still, but still a still huge piece. Char. The guy's been here since like what oh five. He's been the captain of the team. That started it, and then love or hate Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask left. That's been your your man between the pipes for the last twelve. 12 years, whatever it was, and he left. And now it's like, you know, the final ripoff. You're going to have Bergeron and Krejci leave, and then and then you're left with this. Now, they still have Marshan. Marshan's, what, 32 now? He just yeah, had hip surgery. I know that for a, a guy who with, with Marshan's status, the, the, the kind of stress that he puts on his hips, just the way that he plays and his style of hockey – that's another guy too that I, I worry about, you know, as he's getting older and as, you know, he's already starting to have some hip problems, you know, I don't know. It, it's just, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird to look at the Bruins and be like, damn, you know, like our childhood's over. Like all these guys that have been wearing that black and gold for so long are, are finally hanging it up. You know, you thought the day was never going to come, but you know, you know, the day is going to come eventually it's going to roll around the corner and it, and it looks like it's here. So. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what the, uh, partially the reason why we acquired Lindholm too, I think was to look at the future. He's definitely going to be a piece of the future. Him and McAvoy are going to be, you know, first pairing guys on this team for a while. Um, So I think that when Don Sweeney acquired Lindholm, I think he had that in, you know, in his mind, just kind of setting himself and in the team up for the future to kind of be prepared for a Bergeron-less, a Krejci-less team, and maybe even a Marshawn-less team. He's get, like you said, he's getting up there. Um, you know, pasta, I, I, and they got to extend him. They got to extend pasta. If they can't extend pasta, then we're looking at it'll uh, be some dark times. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at a really tough couple of years if we can't, especially if they let him walk just in free agency. Like that's the worst case scenario. Like at least with the Mookie thingy, you traded him. You still got pieces back. But if you if you can't re-sign Pasta, and he just kind of signs with another team in free agency, and you get nothing from it, yeah, that's and, and I terrible. Think, I think that's one thing that the Bruins have been really good on. As long as I can remember, they very they never let their stars go. All the stars that the Bruins have had, whether they be homegrown or they traded for, they either re-sign them or they trade them and get something for them. I can't remember the last star, superstar, core player that the Bruins just let walk in free agency, which makes me optimistic about Pasta. I mean, they're, it, Pasta wants to be here. They'll at least get to the table. I just worry about his contract. That's the one thing that, that worries me. Yeah, he uh, if nine if he, and a half mil, I want to go a cent over. Nine and a half mil, I'm fine with. No player who's made ten million dollars has ever won the Stanley Cup. So take that as a frame of and reference. And the salary cap should be going up. I've heard it should be, but still, so ten million dollars on one guy is a lot. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't pay him just because of the amount of the money. Problem. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't either. It's tough. Like, if we had other guys, I would say don't pay them. But, like, we have nothing. Just give him the money, dude. <laughs> He's the guy you should go. build around. Especially if you go all in this year, you have to give Pasta the money. Yes. If you go all yeah, in, it- you strip it down to the studs pretty much with, 
like what you have and you have like none of these other pieces in line ready to be called upon when you lose guys like Krejci and Bergeron, you're going to have to pay a guy like Pasternak. Yeah, you even think about or trading you know, for a huge package. But as much as hard as as hard as, as as hard as it would be to give him a big contract or to trade him, you have to think about the product too. If if you lose Bergeron, you lose Krejci. You know, if Marshawn ages and you don't have pasta, who is going to be going to watch those games? Nobody's going to go to watch Charlie Coyle. Like I know this was a problem that that the Red Sox had. That they're talking. I don't like the cross sports, but when they, you know, Raphael Devers. Now they're talking about now when they traded Mookie. If they don't re-sign Devers and they lose Bogarts, nobody's going to come to watch JD Martinez or whoever is still left in this team. And for the Bruins, I feel like it's the same thing. I mean, you're losing your core players. If they lose pasta, he's kind of the last true superstar that they have, at least in terms of, of, of entertainment. I know McAvoy is a great defenseman, but you know, he doesn't give you the same kind of wow factor on the ice as you're going to get from pasta a guy who can go out and get you 40, 45 goals. So I think about that as well. And I think that hopefully the Bruins realize that, you know, that it's, it's, going to be some dark days not just for the team wise but as well as in the owner's pockets if they don't re-sign a guy like pasta so i hope that helps contribute to them offering the guy i would like nine and a half i would give him more but we'll see yeah yeah it'll probably end up being somewhere between like nine and a half million and can't go over ten and a half million you just can't like just salary cap wise you just you'll set yourself up for failure if you do that yeah, the only thing for Pasta, though, is that he took such a discount on his last contract. I hope he isn't trying to make it up with this one. I know he said all the right things because he had, what, six years for six and a half per or something like that. I know he was making six and a half per. I don't know the exact years that were on the contract. I think but, it was you know, six. I hope he doesn't look at that. And I hope he's not like, you know, I, I did you a favor back then. Now you're going to take care of me now because that would – because, I mean, a guy like Pasta can can ask for more than $10 million and, and a team other than the Bruins would definitely give it to him. Yeah, a team with a team who can play around with their cap would would easily give Pasta ten and a half mil, like without even really thinking about it. If they have that space, they would do it in a heartbeat. But now the one thing they could bail you out on this Pasta thing is Lysel. Yeah, because he could be your next guy that kind of fills in somewhere with the Bergeron and the Krejci void that's going to be left. And that allows a little more, if he turns out to be good, it allows some flexibility on if you decide to trade or let Pasta lock. I mean, you can't let him lock. You have to trade him. Well, Lysel is definitely good. It's just a matter of if he's going to be able to transition, you know, from juniors over into the NHL fairly quickly because you're going to need him to come in fairly quickly. If you're going to, if you know, if you're going to need somebody in your lineup to kind of fuse in, it's he's your guy. Like you're going to need him to come in and really take control of, um, of the, op- not control of the offense, but you need to, to have him come in and contribute right away. Yeah, and, and, you know, Zach, you mentioned that adding, you know, if Lysel comes here and he's good, that could make Pasta expendable. But at the same time, if he's good, you have a guy who's producing on a rookie contract. There's some money you can go out yes. and spend. If he's going to be that guy, I mean, I don't uh, – to be honest, I don't know what his numbers would be. I don't know what his projection would be in the NHL. But if he's halfway decent, if he's a great player, if he's 
putting up numbers anywhere close to Pasta on a rookie deal, which I don't think he would. Well, he's still on a rookie deal. I still think he has to mature a bit in the league. But still, that would put the Bruins in a position where they say, okay, we have these numerous elite players, and now we have the money to spend and to push this team over the top. So I think about that as well. It's it's almost like almost like the situation you have right now with Jeremy Swimman. He's making 950k a year. He's basically like I know he's not, but he's basically your number one goalie. So if you have a guy like Lysel coming in at 950k and then you have, you know, you have he's making minimum and he's producing for you so you have that money to kind of play around with. You can get rid of other guys like Coil. You can get rid of other guys like, you know, maybe Maybe in the future, Fabian Lysel takes Taylor Hall's spot and you keep Pasternak. So then you have a line of, well, not Bergeron, but, you know, you'll have, like, you'll have like Lysel and, and Pasternak together. And those two together would be unbelievable if, if Lysel pans out the way that he seems to be. I know that Lysel is a winger, but I saw he was playing a little center for Team Sweden. Do you think he sticks at center? Or do you think he stays? If he comes over to the Bruins this year, do you think that they use him at wing, or do you think that they stick him as a third-line center, or what do you think they do? I bet you they stick him at center in some games, and they put him at wing in some other games just kind of to see what works out with him. When's but the earliest we expect him to get here? He could play next year. So or not next year, at, this year. They'll stick him at center and just see what they have with him. This year, though, Bergeron's first line center, Krejci's second line center. I guess you could maybe put him third line, and then if you trade off, uh, you just put him fourth if, line. He doesn't need a bunch nah. of minutes out there. Who's your fourth line center right now? Stanika. Probably Stanika. Yeah, I wish dude, they're gonna bury him again. Let's say you get rid of Stanika so you can keep Craig Smith. Now there's your answer. But say. Say you do get rid of Smith, right? Because that's what it seems to be trending towards. So you get rid of Smith. Then you have a third line of Charlie Coyle. Or let's just say Lysel does play center. So then you can move Coyle to the wing. And then you have Lysel at center. And then, you know, whoever you want as your other winger on that third line. You're, you're looking pretty good. I mean, he can develop on that third line, get him some minutes, get him to see some power play time. He is 5'10", so it is a little bit small for a center. That's the only thing. Because, you know, if you're a center, you want to be strong. You want to be able to push guys off that dot, win the draw. Um, I you thought know, I read somewhere that he actually grew and he's six feet now. He's still young. Yeah, he's Did he hit a growth spurt? No, I swear. I, 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 over the yeah. I, I, hey, just tell him to talk to uh, Fernando Tatis's agent and get him whatever he's yeah. like. Yeah, it's a so on, some ringworm. On the Bruins website and on Elite Prospects, he's 5'10". But if you Google him, he's now listed as six feet. I also I, – I know for a fact I saw somebody tweet and say that he grew two inches, so I hope I hope that's true. But also, you know, I would love to see him on that second power play unit. I know his whole kind of uh, game, at least he's still a young player, but the game we've been seeing in Sweden while he's playing with Sweden is a lot of people have been saying, he, you know, he's, he's a funny player because he might not – fill up the stat sheet but he is all over the ice the guy makes yeah. magic on his stick he's got a great passing vision i don't know if you saw that goal he scored for sweden yeah from the goal line yeah you know, yeah, you yeah you can't even from the, a video game from the rock star zone 
Yeah. So <laughs> the guy watching him, watching his, I didn't, sit, I haven't sat down and watched a whole game of him, but watching his highlights on Sweden reminds me a lot of Pasta when he mm-hmm. first came up when he was like 19. It was like every time the puck was on his stick, you're watching because he could, he could take it to the house. He could do something crazy, and it seems like. Lysel is a fun player. He's an exciting player. He's got some absolute wheels. He's a burner. So put him on that second power play unit. Let him be creative if he comes over. But I know the way that the Bruins stand right now, they have some two really good power play lines. So it would be tough to crack the crack that second lineup. Yeah, it would be. But the way you said too is he's he's like Pasternak. He's just so creative and he's so quick at the puck, and he's so young too. That's the other thing. He's he is easily our number one prospect right now. Like he's our number one prospect, and he's a good prospect we don't and a have good a lot. piece to have. Right, it's, it's him easy. and Laura. Dude, I'm our number five prospect. I'm over here on the podcast. <laughs> it's him, Laura, and Beecher right now. There, that are the three ones that really stick out. And then after that, it's kind of like you know, let's see who's gonna work out and who's not gonna work out. But how do you, um, think, how do you think Beecher's gonna be? You think he's gonna stick? I bet you he plays the majority of this season in Providence. He might see like, I don't know, five to ten games in the NHL, probably in the beginning of the season. And if he plays well, then maybe he'll see more. But I think he needs one more year of development to really, you know, to grow his game and to, uh, to, um, you know, just kind of find a way to fit in and learn his game a little bit better and learn how to um, how to make it all work because when I was at development camp he he was one of the few guys that kind of took control of most of the drills he was definitely bigger and he definitely stood out he's better he's better than the guys at development camp but there are definitely still some things that he used to work on within his game because he has the size um, he's good with the puck and he has a speed. It's just about finding his game and making it work at the professional level. Yeah, because I remember I was excited when they drafted him. He went to Michigan, right? They got him out. Yeah, because I remember when he they played, drafted he him. He played on that stack team. Yeah, when they drafted him. I know, you know, you player, you know, player comps, you can take them or leave them. Sometimes they're dead on other times. It's like they're comparing some, some bum to like a hall of fame or something, but they were going really hard on the Patrice Bergeron narrative when he was drafted because he, yeah, they, they thought he was going to grow it. He was going to fill out and grow it. Not that Bergeron is a big guy, but he's, he's, you know, a, a good size center. He's not tiny. And they were saying that, you know, Beecher is a, is a two-way player. He's not going to ever be Bergeron. He's not going to put up Bergeron numbers, but he could serve as a poor man's Bergeron, which in these post-Bergeron years that are coming up <laughs> could be nice to see. <laughs> I will say, I think what I could kind of take away from watching Beecher is that he's very similar to a Charlie Coyle. He's big. He's not the quickest guy. But he protects the puck well. Um, he has good puck vision, and he's strong. So I think his I think his ceiling is maybe around a Charlie Coyle, something like that. You just don't pay him five million dollars. Just don't do yeah. that. But I'll take Charlie Coyle. Yeah, but um, yeah, I see him as a bottom six guy, but serviceable too. Not like a like a, oh we'll just throw him in. Like I, I see him as a serviceable uh, bottom six guy, but. Anyways, so I don't know if you guys saw the news, but Robin Leonard is out for the entire season. 
So that leaves Vegas with an opening in goal. They actually like literally don't, they don't really have anybody else. They were banking on Leonard, but that kind of fuels the fire on the, you know, Linus Allmark conversation and Jeremy Swayman. If the Bruins are looking to clear up cap and I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I'm not saying I want this to happen, but I think we'd be doing a disservice to, you know, not even bring it up. I think Vegas probably recognizes we have two strong goalies, one on a rookie deal making 950K, and they probably realize that we're up against the cap as well, and we need money. You know, we need to clear up money on the salary cap front. And they look at a guy, they look at their problem, they have no goalie, and then they look at the guy, look at a guy like Linus Allmark, and they're probably giving Don Sweeney some calls and seeing what it would take to get Linus Allmark out of Boston and into Vegas. You figure Linus Allmark is familiar with um, with Bruce Cassidy, so he already knows Bruce. He knows the head coach. Um, he knows going to Vegas, he'd be the number one goalie. He wouldn't have to split time with Swayman. It's just a matter of if Don Sweeney would pull the trigger or not. So I want to ask you guys, I'll start with Zach. Do you think that Don Sweeney would be open to moving Linus Allmark right now? Or do you think he holds on to him? Well, it makes too much sense to move him right now, so he's not in on it. <laughs> it uh, I just don't know what you would get back in return. It'd be like Because I don't really know that roster too well. Obviously, you're not getting a goalie from the back in return because they need a right. goalie. Yeah, because they don't have any. So now you're kind of on the secondary market looking for a goalie because uh, you I mean you you'll need a backup one and you do you you do have Keith Kincaid he's in Providence we just signed him he's he's been a backup before he's put up serviceable numbers like not bad numbers at all um so you could potentially have him slide in it's probably not ideal and not what the Bruins would want to do right now it's more of like a break glass in case of emergency situation if somebody got hurt he'd be able to come up but with this situation arising, it's kind of a possibility. Well, what could we get out of Vegas? Because they just gave up a bunch of shit. So just I was going to say, well, dude, they just gave up Max Pacioretty right? for nothing. <laughs> Do you think that you could somehow – because isn't Robin Leonard not on a huge contract? I'm not sure off the top of my head. I don't know. I thought you were going to say, could we could we snag uh, Jack Eichel? <laughs> no, no. Like, could we just be like, hey, we'll give you one year of uh, Olmark that will actually work, right? I, he's making $4 million too, so I don't want to do it. Never mind. I was just saying, I thought he was making less than that because you could have gotten him. And that would be pretty sweet because then you have a really – he could actually be worth something – in trade next year when it comes back healthy because he's definitely better than Omar. And so if you had him, you just wait for him to get healthy and you flip him for something next year. But uh, it doesn't sound like that would be a possibility since he's making $4 million this year. Yeah. Um, unless you stat, could you stash him on IR? I don't know how that salary cap stuff works. Leonard? Yeah. You could stash him in a, on LTIR. I mean, he's literally out for the whole season. That's, I, that's as long term as it gets. <laughs> yeah, because you don't have to count for his number at all because he's not coming back. Right. I, mean, I guess we'll just never do that. I mean, that's kind of no. wishful thinking. So, yeah, I don't know. The, the only way that that move would be would be a salary dump. And maybe you could grab like a middle four def- uh, defenseman. 
Yeah, Nick, what do you think? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I want them to keep Olmark because, again, I want the Bruins to be all in, but I think Zach kind of hit the nail on the head. It makes too much sense to trade him, especially to a team like Vegas. I mean, looking at the market right now, I, I, I can't think of a goalie who's – as young and as available and as talented as Linus Olmark is. I know it would be difficult for Vegas because I believe they're like six million over the cap right now or something like that. So looking at the players that the Bruins could get back, I don't know how to make it work. They got some funky contracts on their team, but I always say go defense if you're gonna trade Olmark. I'm not that familiar with their team, so I can't tell you I know they have Petrangelo, but that's not a guy I want on the Bruins with that contract. So I'm not too sure who they could get back. But, you know, if if Vegas is desperate for a goalie, maybe the Bruins can kind of force them into overpaying for a guy like Olmark. And if that's the case, I think you make that trade 10 times out of 10. I know it's nice to have two goalies, two good goalies on your roster, but if you have one good goalie, a serviceable backup, and $5 million to play around with to help push your team over the edge, I think you, you do that move 10 out of 10 times. Dude, I'm actually looking at Vegas's roster right now. They stink. It's bad. They, yeah. It's bad. Dude, it's they worse than I thought it was. Contracts. Well, it, it's not just the players that they have that are bad. It's the contracts are horrible. Awful. Jack Eichel at $10 million a year. Mark Stone's making nine and a half for the next five seasons. Are you kidding me? William Carlson's making six mil for the next five seasons. Oh my gosh. Alex Petrangelo, he's yeah. making eight mil for the next five seasons. I mean, my goodness. That's Dude. that's why I that's why I, I look at teams like that and Vegas needs some help from other teams in trading with them because they're gonna have a tough time finding trade partners because their valuable players are being drastically overpaid. And it's almost – it's not the same situation as the Bruins. But I think if they want to get a guy, a goalie especially, I think they're going to have to overpay for pretty much anybody that they want just because of the amount of money that they're going to have to be sending back just to fit these guys on their roster. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you did end up making a deal – well, I mean, okay, hang on. The thing we're forgetting too is Linus Allmark has a full no-trade clause, so he can veto any trade. But – I mean, if he thinks you He'd know, shut yeah. that shit down so quick, he might. Yeah. And why the fuck would you go play with that piece of shit team right now? He'd be the number one goalie. I don't know. He, he's he's with the Cassidy. number one goalie here. Everyone says he's one B, and at least this team's gonna make the playoffs. That team's not guaranteed to make the playoffs. No, they're gonna be fighting not for even likely to make the playoffs. And they missed it last year. They'll probably, honestly, they'll probably miss it again. Honest. Even even if they do get Olmark, is there's no guarantee he's their starter next year when Lander comes back healthy. I feel I kind of That's feel bad too. for Olmark because he was in, I mean, freaking purgatory in Buffalo. I mean, it didn't matter, it didn't matter what he did back there. They were gonna lose some a lot of games. They were horrible. And then you come to a team like the Bruins, which is a good situation, uh, but they have Swayman, this 23-year-old goalie coming up who's their, their tender of the future. And I know everybody's talking about him going to Vegas right now. If he waves his no trade, cl- trade clause and the Bruins pull that trigger, Vegas is a bad team, and there's no guarantee that you're the starter there next year either. Or even if you are, maybe you're back in a 1A, 1B situation. So I kind of feel and, bad. And he's still young. He's, what, 26 years old? I think he's 28. 
Isn't oh, well, still, same that's thing. Prime years for a goalie. That's yeah. he's, he's valuable to somebody out there. So I, I hope that the Bruins can get their work for him if they trade him. I do think that Allmark is happy though in Boston. Like even if he's not getting you know 50, 60 starts a season, I think he's still happy here. I think the whole situation, you know, he has a great relationship with Swayman, obviously. Um, and I think he just enjoys playing here. So I don't even think he would want to move anyway. So even regardless, I know it's a hypothetical, but I don't think he would want to move. And he would be and he literally has control over that. He'd be like, nah. Even if even if Don Sweeney had a deal done, he could just strike it down. Be like, nope, I'm staying. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not I, going anywhere. You were right. You were right too. I looked it up. He just turned twenty nine in July. 29. So he's he's older than I thought. So that also makes me think a player like that, I mean, you have how many serviceable elite years yet before you become, you know, that the backup that every goalie turns into when they get 34, 35. So I, right. if I were him, I would want to take advantage of these years while you're still healthy, while you're still young, and while you're still at the top of your game. So maybe if he sees that and he hears that, hey, you're gonna be the starter for Vegas th- this year, you could either win the job next year or maybe they'll send you somewhere else. You can be the starter there. Maybe he jumps at an opportunity like that because if I were in his position, I, I, I love Swayman, but I don't want to be starting as many games as I can, especially coming over from Buffalo. Yeah, no, 100%. So, all right, let's jump into this little segment that we got going on right now. We're going to do what we think is the best Bruins trade that we can remember or that we just, you know, the best Bruins trade that we can think of does anyone want to go first i'll go first if you guys don't want to you can go first yeah you can go first you all right i'll go first to, you seem like you want to go first i have a, <laughs> I have a good one i have a good one all right what is it so my trade that i think is the best actually came in june of t- 2010 it was a trade with the Florida Panthers. We traded Dennis. No, we traded Dennis Weidman, a 2010 first round pick, and a 2011 third round pick for Gregory Campbell and Nathan Horton. That trade is unbelievable. That I mean, Gregory Campbell, Merlot line, Nathan Horton was one of the catalysts in winning that Stanley Cup in 2011. And by the way, that first round pick that we traded to Florida, do you know who that turned into? Who? Derek Forbert, who we have on the team now anyways. (laughs) So all around a win-win. And Dennis Weidman, you know, he's really no one to write home about anyways. You don't really lose much in losing Dennis Weidman. He, He literally got kicked out of the league basically because he cross-checked the ref in front of the bench like he folded him <laughs> no that's the passion i want on my team <laughs> yeah but yeah i think that trade is i don't think that trade is you know well known enough i mean that's a crazy I good trade, know that trade happened to be honest with you yeah that's a crazy good trade but yeah uh, no that's mine i like that trade i actually liked it a lot horton's <laughs> a huge part of that stanley cup run giant um Mine is, and people are going to get a little riled up over this because because of my opinions that have, you know, come about this person related in this trade. (laughs) Who the hell is this? It's going to be the Ray Crawford for Tuka Rask swap. 
that's a great choice. That's again not that Rask, in my opinion, ever closed anything out for you. No, I was gonna, I was gonna um, say, and this is coming from somebody who, in the past three episodes, just shit on Tukarask. <laughs> Well, you could have been stuck on Raycroft. <laughs> right, yeah, no, literally. You got a whole hell of a lot better. You got, like, the, uh, like, Dan Marino of goalies. <laughs> so, like, you, you, you ended up pretty well over there. You're like, maybe you're statistically the best goalie of all time or one of the best goalies of all time. Whether he won you something or not, there weren't many better to choose from over the course of 15 years. It gave you 15 years of good hockey to watch. And it's hilarious, too, just because, again, took him from Toronto. So that just makes it even better. For Raycroft. For, Ray- <laughs> <laughs> For Andrew Raycroft. Granted, at the time, Andrew Raycroft did win the uh, Rookie of the Year award. So he had some, you know, what people thought was potential, but... I mean, clearly Tuka Rask had a way better career than Andrew Raycroft. Nick, what about you? My favorite trade is the – there's two of them, and, and both of them are – Ooh. In my opinion, trades won by the Bruins over the Maple Leafs. The first Zach just hit on the Andrew Raycroft trade for two reasons, and I'll, I won't take long on it, just because the Bruins got Tuka Rask, who was their goalie for the next – they got him in 2006, so he's in the system now for almost a, a decade and a half. We mm-hmm. all know the numbers that Tsukaras put up on the, on the Bruins, but it's also because of what that did to the Maple Leafs. They had a revolving door at goalie, and you can't tell me that if they had Tsukarask for the last that, 15 years. That's a good point. Some, if they had him on some of those players, like if if I know I you already Tsukarask like on I the choking team would be a if fucking the, match made in heaven or a good if the Maple Leafs If the Maple Leafs are up four to one with like ten minutes left in the yeah. third period, game seven against yeah. the Bruins, and they have Tukarask in net, they're winning that game. You can't yes. tell me that because that same series, he basically did the same thing against the Blackhawks. So like, no, he brought him all the. We're not getting into this. Let, don't make me <laughs> slander Rask after I just basically <laughs> said he was our best trade in team history. Let it, let him have right, his well, moment with me. Well, that that before trade I have to go back big. on slandering the man. <laughs> that trade for me is big because it gave the Bruins stability in net. I know they, they had Tim Thomas before they had Rask, but then they had stability in net, at least you can say, for a decade after that. And it also screwed the Maple Leafs over because they've, they're they still trying to find the guy that they fully believe can be the goalie between the pipes. The amount of guys that have gone – I know they had Reimer for a while, and you want to talk about guys that he show in the playoffs. James Reimer is your guy. My second trade that involved the Maple Leafs is, Zach, another thing you just mentioned. When the Bruins traded Phil Kessel – I know that was big for the Maple Leafs because they got a good player in Kessel, but the Bruins got two first-round draft picks and a second back in that trade, the first of which they used to select Tyler Sagan, who isn't on the Bruins anymore. Let's go. Who isn't on the Bruins anymore, but was a key reason that the Bruins were able to win that 2011 Stanley Cup. Maybe that cup doesn't happen if they don't have Tyler Sagan. They used a second first-round pick to get Dougie Hamilton, who – only was on the Bruins for a few years, kind of had an unceremonious ending to this team. But today, he turned into an elite defenseman. And he went to two belts on this team, too. 
I believe they got like Jared Knight nope. with the second rounder who, who who didn't turn into anything. But at the same time, the Bruins made it farther with Tyler Sagan and Dougie Hamilton on their roster than Toronto ever did. So I consider that a, a win trade for the Bruins. So my two favorite trades of you know that I can remember are the two trade wins over Toronto that the Bruins have had. Yeah, it seems like trading with Toronto. Um, just works out for us. Maybe, it, should, hey, maybe maybe we should do it more. It seems yeah, like know, it seems like doing anything with Toronto ends up. I was gonna say <laughs> you almost feel bad because you knock one of the playoffs every year. You embarrass them in these trades. I mean, that poor city, the poor city of Toronto probably hates Boston's guts, and frankly, I don't blame them. So, I love it. I love it. <laughs> have it any other way? No. <laughs> I think they that's how much more Tuca would be hated if Tim Thomas never won us a cup in 2011. Oh, dude, if Thomas didn't <laughs> think about that, if we say we lose that, say we lose just you know, alternate history, say we lose in Vancouver in 2011, then we lose against Chicago in 2013. Then we lose against St. Louis in 2019. We're just the Stanley Cup Maple Leafs. Yes, that's what we would be. That's literally what we would be. Oh, my God. Thank God we won in 2011 so we don't have the to The one that. that I'll never get over is 2019. I mean, everything yeah. went the Bruins' no. way. 2013, dude. I'm with Nick on this one. 2013 you know hurt. But it would have been to I mean, both hurt. Box. No, yeah, yeah, no, they both hurt. 2013 hurt a little less in my opinion because they had just won two years prior and they already had a crazy Stanley Cup run just to get there I don't want to you know I mean it still hurts losing you know in the cup but 2019 I mean they had probably the easiest path to the cup that I can remember a team having in recent memory the Bruins beat the brakes off the Blues in game one and I remember I, I was talking to somebody and they were like, oh, like, what do you think the series ends in? I'm like, I think the Bruins win 3 nothing. I don't even think St. Louis shows up for game four. 3 nothing. Like, yeah. I'm like, this is, I mean, I, like, I was preparing to, one of my friends is a Blues fan, and I was already preparing to rub it in her face and to do all this and to be annoying. And <laughs> it's not just that they lost, but, like, they just got, like, embarrassed on a yeah, national stage. Do you know when it went downhill? At home. It went downhill after the Dougie uh, after the uh, Tory Krug skate down the ice check where this helmet came with his helmet off. Yeah. After that, the Blues were like, "Yo, fuck these boys!" No, and they will, beat I've, the bag out of us. Like not just like on the scoreboard, like they literally just beat the bag out of us on the ice. Well, yeah. that was St. Louis, especially in 2019. They were a big, heavy team. They reminded me of the Bruins of old. That's how they did. They wear you out by just beating the shit out of Ryan you. Ryan O'Reilly, and, Pat Maroon. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, Pat Maroon. And, and um. I hated Ryan O'Reilly because I I thought Ryan O'Reilly was trying so hard to be Patrice Bergeron, and it's like, dude, you're never gonna be him. And then then when he won, that made me even even more mad. But I remember Game One. One of the reasons that the Bruins won was because they got a bunch of power plays, and Baruby was was bitching and moaning to the refs. Oh yeah. He was literally like he was talking to any media member he could, saying that the Blues aren't getting any calls. This is and then they got all the calls. And then they got every single call. And it wasn't yeah. just that that they called penalties on the Bruins. They didn't call penalties on the Blues. Like when what's-his-name was tripped and they scored. Yeah, like are you – No, are that you, was ridiculous. Yeah, no. I, I don't – I like, I you forgot know, about it, Jerry. 
the Blues won. I don't like to blame the refs, but and I won't blame the refs. But I will say that was uh, a blatant trip, and that was a key moment in a Steve Sports here. We don't blame refs, <laughs> but we do Dude. all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> they scored immediately after that. That was the that was the yeah. game winning goal. Mm-hmm. Like if if there's. I try to avoid blaming refs as much as I can, but if there's ever any instance where you can kind of be like, come on, like, how do you yeah. not call that? Like, that's come the on. instance. That's on, the man. instance. It's crazy how you don't call that. Like, it was the most blatant trip of all time. Yeah. And the most yeah. important game of the season. And it wasn't just important for, you know, it being – the Stanley Cup playoffs, but it was so important for this Bruins team too because it was the I don't they haven't come close to getting back to there since 2019, no. and and now we sit here and we look back on you know the Char years, Bergeron, Krejci, this core all the time that they've been here, and they only have one cup to show for it. That they should at least have yeah. two. Definitely in 2019, there were a couple years in the playoffs that they got. I remember when they when they got bounced in 2012, the year after they won the cup by Washington, because Joel Ward scored scored the game winner in oh, overtime. I that. And I, that was probably the most frustrated I've ever been out of a Bruins after a Bruins game because they were the better team. I just feel like they've had opportunity after opportunity and they've wasted them. And it all came to a peak in 2019 when they had the easiest path there. They were playing a team. Weren't they? Weren't the Blues below 500 at, at, By the, the, at the trade deadline? I think. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was. It was. It was at the they New had, Year. They were below 500, and then Bennington came a, up and lit the world yeah, on fire. They had a rookie, and look at Bennington now. And it's like and he sticks to these guys, dude. Oh, it's so frustrating. Not only Bennington now, but ever since that cup. In 2019, he stunk. He has he literally has not been good since since those that two month stretch that we just happened to run into. Yeah, he's a weird dude too. Uh, you want to talk about weird? Oh yeah. Jordan Bennington's it. <laughs> oh, he's a weirdo, dude. And that makes me even more frustrated. <laughs> yeah, but hey, um, we're gonna keep this one a little bit shorter. Uh, we're probably gonna end this just a little under an hour. So. Uh, like always, thank you for listening. Um, send us DMs, send us questions, tweet at us. You know, my Twitter is at underscore Mike Sullivan. Nick's Twitter is at Nick Melanson underscore. Zach's Twitter is at Zach underscore Sullivan 22. Tweet us any questions you have, anything you want to, you know, have us answer on the podcast. You know, we'll, we'll, We'll read them all out loud here live on the pod, and we'll give a li- a li- and we'll give a uh, a live answer. So, um, as always, follow me and Nick as we venture onto Twitch playing EASHL. You can follow us there at Tumble and Muffins. A little ode to Jack Edwards there, but yeah. With that being said, it's a little shorter than usual, but that's okay. We got the. Uh, we got the season coming up and you know preseason starts in just a, about a month and then the regular season starts october 12th so once that gets going we'll have way more to talk about we'll have way more you know in-depth things that we can discuss you know how the lineup's doing who who we think should be scratched blah 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 whatever you know the deal but Anyways, so this is Something's Brewing Podcast, Episode 4. 
Um, just a reminder, we are in partnership with Black and Gold Productions LLC. God bless you, Zach. And you can follow them at BNG Productions on Twitter. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening, and we will catch you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>